really just pushing the limits of of design and just making sure everything that I produced was like super high quality. I was putting like, you know, really good thought and creativity into those solutions is really what kind of pushed me in those early years. Welcome to the What is UX podcast, the show where we interview design leaders about their journey and experience so that you may learn from them. I'm your host, Peck Pompat. So on this episode, I'm super excited. I have Kevin Shea, who's an amazing designer, worked at amazing companies, AKQA, Apple, RGA, Salesforce, worked on amazing projects uh, with Halo, Mass Effect, Gears of War, iTunes, Nike, HP. And the most exciting part about this, and I've been wanting to talk to Kevin in a long time, is because... He has experience in uh, working not at one or two, but three electric car companies. So he's the guy who knows probably the most in terms of automotive electric car UI. So welcome to the show, Kevin. Cool. Thank you, Beck. Thank you for reaching out to me. I'm glad to to be on this uh, podcast. And uh, yeah, absolutely would love to share my experience in the the automotive world with you. So thank you. Thank you. Well, welcome to the show. We'd like to get started. How, how did you get, get into design? Well, you know, I mean, if we were to go way back, right. Like, you know, I, I think originally I, I've always wanted to be an artist, you know, in, in, in college, I've fluctuated between like computer science, which I tried out for the couple, first couple of years of, in college. And I, I just hated debugging. I loved coding, but hated debugging. <laughs> and, and, you know, from there, I, I kind of pondered uh, a switch to, to graphic design or like 3D animation type stuff. And I went with graphic design. And so I wasn't classically trained in product design. And so you know, I graduated UC Davis with with a graphic design, visual communication degree, and slowly my, made my way into you know product design, like through through advertising and and different 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 the paths. Yeah, AKQA, RGA, those are kind of the more agency type work, and see a lot of similarities. I did started out, you know, a little bit of coding as well. And I also, I was an engineer in the first part of my career. And I also hate debugging like, like crazy. I suck at it. <laughs> but I also dabbled in, in 3D modeling and stuff like that too, back in the day with AutoCAD and 3D Studio. So yeah, pads are pretty similar. <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff. How'd you get your first job? Oh, so my first job was working at a company, mobile, they, they sold mobile phones. And, you know, honestly, I think it was right around like the, like a bit of a re- recession time. And, and honestly, I think I was like out of school, it was, it was pretty difficult finding that first job, but that first job just kind of appeared after, after almost like a year of, of searching and it was doing banner ads for this, this company. And, you know, I, I learned so much. I learned a bit about advertising. I, I learned tons of about like banner GIF optimization in terms of file size, and and yeah, learned so much. I think from then, you know, I I from there I took an internship at at my my first digital agency, and that's where my career kind of started taking off. 
And after that, you know, looking at your your career in in the agency world, where you're given high profile clients like like Halo and Mass Effect and Gears of War, you know, sometimes I try to dissect uh, people's careers, right? Like you, how how did you get 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 to that level and be given those re- responsibilities? And also tell us about those projects. Those sound like very exciting projects. Oh, absolutely. So you know, I think from that, you know that. You know that first internship that I got, and that was down at Juxta Interactive in in Newport Beach. So thanks, Todd Ferguson, for uh, you know putting some faith in me. You know, I think honestly, it's like really, I I think though, you know, really just pushing the limits of of design and just making sure everything that I produced was like super high quality. You know, I was I was putting like you know, really good thought and creativity into those solutions is really what kind of pushed me in those early years. You know, like I, I, you know, I think, you know, having a knack for just, just like drawing and color and stuff, even before like going into college really also helped. And honestly, I think that's when, you know, just starting to build relationships and just finding the right like opportunities and, and moving quickly on those opportunities allowed me to succeed. And I think it just went from one, you know, like, you know, from, from Jux to EVB to AKQA and just slowly kind of progressing and like really just absorbing all of the, you know, what people were doing around me, absorbing, you know, like a lot of soft skills too, to, to kind of, you know, progress my communication and, you know, my, my ability to prioritize and strategize and whatnot. Yeah. I, 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 always mention the secret to to my success has always been you know relationships relationships right yeah having having the skills is kind of like table stakes but that that proves you when you're there but to to get sometimes to get the door open you need that relationship and, and to, to prove yourself yeah you know i i think that i mean to finish answering your question on like these these types of you know, these high profile clients you know like i think that's the nature of like agencies you know like they, you know, you, you, you work like, you know, you work hard on them, you work quickly on them and they are like, they are the fun and exciting, you know, like agencies get cool brands and you're able to work on these high profile things, but it's like, it's not, it's not always a long-term thing, right? They're very, they can be short-lived and, you know, you don't, you know, you don't always get to see the whole end-to-end process, right? But it is fun, you know, like, you know, having the var- the variety of things and and knowing that it, like your work is going to be out there. <laughs> yeah, usually it's a, a rush project they needed now, and and the budget is small, but but it's Halo Three, and and the agency is like, oh, right. well, let's do it. <laughs> so what what's it? What was the work? Oh, you mean like so? I, I think for that Halo Three project, it was doing really creating an experience around like this. There, there was this like there was this diorama that was done by uh, i can't even remember the name now but it was the the company that that did a lot of special effects for like like terminator and 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 stuff like that and industrial so, light and magic no i can't skywalker uh, was it stan winston studios yes stan winston studios something, something like that and so you know and and i think they're like you know what can we what can we do with with this this diorama to to celebrate like the launch of Halo Three and and so I think we 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 brainstormed a bunch of ideas and we're like hey you know I think this was probably the first of its of its kind back then it was really like let's 
how do we make like this experience totally like like immersive? And so I think we we are trying out different things. And I think our blue sky, you know, goal was really to be able to like move around in here, like kind of at will. But you know, I think we we kind of decreased scope a bit and we ended up like having some like pretty canned paths throughout the the environment, but there was still a bit of interactivity that they could do with it to kind of explore. Like they, so it ended up being like a website where the user could uh, click through this diorama and, and learn about different parts of it and even like open up like media content and whatnot, just to learn about the video game and to learn about the history of, of, of Halo and, and, and whatnot. And yeah, the site won a, a bunch of awards and and yeah, it was super, super exciting to be just part of the, you know, one of the many pieces of media in its launch. It was quite interesting at the time, right? Like this was the age of microsites, right? And mm-hmm. if you think about what it really was, like I think the, the typical ask was that, hey, I have a bunch of these media bits, some videos, some this, some that, like, you know, take all those kind of like scraps, if you will, and create something exciting where a user will interact with it for a certain amount of time. And that's all we're really asking for, right? And so, you know, I think you, you know, like there are gonna be things that are like semi-repetitive, but otherwise it's just like, hey, let's come up with something crazy and, you know, something exciting. And, but it was definitely an interesting time, right? Back an interesting time then. Yeah, and especially during the age of maybe like Flash and stuff where you could do a lot more to a combination of flash and video is an interesting let's that takes us uh, to your journey at apple how did you get the job at apple and you know what you worked on itunes ibooks yeah you know i think i think what i i realized after working several years of, of agency was that you know like like though these you know though really working on really exciting like sub- subject matter and and working on really high profile campaigns. Like I think I what the thing I missed was longevity in in the things I designed. I mean, I would I would spend so much effort kind of creating really beautiful things. And you know, like you know, these a lot of these like microsites and, and campaigns were very seasonal. And you know, like they would like I think the max that they would last for is like six months. You know, it'd be up there, like it'd be, it would hit the peak of what they were looking for, and then you know, kind of fizzle out, and then they would eventually take it down, right? Like the, some sort of maintenance. And so I was looking for more longevity, and I think I was I was looking around, and I saw, hey, look, there's a you know, there's a open position at Apple, and you know, I was like, I don't know, you know, like I, I don't really know product design and, you know, they're looking for, and like, and someone to design the interface for, for iTunes. I'm like, okay, you know, I've, I've done a lot of mobile apps. I've done a lot of websites, you know, and I'm not classically trainers, but you know, I'll give it a shot. And I think, you know, also grateful for the, the people that given me opportunities there, right? Like, I think they saw like a really strong visual sense and the, the, the ability to kind of adapt to different types of environments. And, you know, and, you know, so I, I, I got in there and, you know, like, I think right off the bat, I, I learned a ton, you know, tons of, of iteration working, you know, working super closely with engineers and, you know, like testing and validation type stuff. And, you know, that was a very, like, I learned a lot in that experience. Did you get to interact with Johnny Ive at all? No, I didn't. <laughs> um, 
I think the only interaction that I really had was I think I was designing a button for I, I can't remember what feature it was, but it was it was like one of those buy buttons. I think this was for the Mac App Store. And this is this was like right before it launched. It was like so I was designing one of those, you know, the remember those little buy buttons with a little drop down arrow? Anyway, so mm-hmm. I, yeah, I do. Those. And, you know, I think at the time I wasn't like I wasn't doing a lot of the presentations and I think my, my manager was. Anyway, I designed a blue button for it or maybe an, it was like an orange button. And and she had, you know, brought it, you know, somewhere to some meeting with Steve Jobs in it. And I think the feedback that came back was like, I like the blue button, but I don't like the shade of it. And so <laughs> Like, I think that was a really interesting experience because uh, after that, like my exploration was to just try out all different shades of blue. So <laughs> like, so I was just sitting there outlining like, hey, here's all the different blues that we could try out and let's let's eliminate them, reshow up to them. And I think eventually we settled on the right color and, you know, I think Steve Jobs was happy and <laughs> that's, that's how the story goes. Yeah. And then with iBooks, I mean, this, this was a time during like skeuomorphism, I assume. Yeah. So I, I didn't really work on, on iBooks, but it was more like the, all the iCloud stuff that iTunes provided. So meaning that it was pretty much like, you know, if you, if you downloaded, if you had purchased something, you'd have the ability to go into your account on any device and then hit the redownload button. And so we were de- designing like the interfaces and even how to put the little cloud icon on different things. And so that involved touching, you know, like music. I don't remember if it was movies at the time, but then also books. So it was kind of like, like we weren't owning the iBooks situation, but kind of collaborating with them to, to you know, if we own the kind of like the system of how to download and stuff, like that's what it was like. So. Yeah. What was the difference that you felt working between an agency and, and a software product company like Apple? Well, I mean, I think what was what was good is that we would, you know, it was always like everything that we did was additive to the iTunes kind of interface. And so like we needed to make sure every like everything we were doing was was like super cohesive. Like I think even even at the time the I mean, at the, like the the actual app itself is like super responsive, and you know, I think making sure that you know, you know, maybe even even greater need to make sure it's actually f- like fully functional and 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 whatnot. Uh, I loved the you know the more collaborative nature. Like, so you imagine a bunch of like designers all working together on the same tool. Like, you have to be talking to each other. And yeah, I think like it's just very iterative, very design oriented, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I think in, in was it a little slower paced as well, or was it just as fast? I would say it was pretty medium to fast paced. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I, um, I understand some teams are pretty small, even within Apple. Is that? What you've... Yeah, I think. I mean, this team was I can't remember about four or five designers. So okay. you know, I'd, I'd say relatively, relatively small. Yeah. So the the next journey uh, where I'd love to get into it, and this is kind of like the meat of the interview, is uh, oh. your experience uh, in automotive. So I'd love for you to uh, share some of that experience. You know, comparing and contrasting, maybe you know how app design and product software design in mobile and web, you know, versus some of the stuff you do for cars and how people have to think about that. That's like a very different skill. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I would say that, so coming from Apple, so actually one of the designers that I worked with at, at Apple, we had a, I was actually kind of replacing him. He was at, he actually moved, went over to Tesla and he was like the first designer. And so because we had a little bit of overlap, he, he brought me into an interview at Tesla and, you know, got the role. And so those first, you know, I, I, I was really excited by the opportunity because it was something totally different, right? Like, like the, the, it's just a totally new medium, right? Like when you think about it and it was pretty much myself, that other designer, and we had one other UX designer working on the, our first interface, which was the Tesla model S interface. You know, it was quite a change from the from from apple in that you know like i i think even though we did testing and stuff like i don't feel like we did like extensive t- uh, testing it was it was it was a lot of kind of like st- like i want to say it's very design led and and you know maybe a lot of design assumption too mm, at um, apple at apple right and and i think coming going to to tesla like I think we started with like, oh yeah, we'll we'll go with our we'll we'll lead with our best foot forward, give like do some best guesses. But then I think quickly the moment we got that you know those interfaces into the car, you know, and we <laughs> and we started trying, and we're like, hey, this stuff's not really gonna work. And so I think we grew that muscle to 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 always just hey, you got to put it in the car, like even if you're designing it like and you're gonna assume that this interface is gonna work, like. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta actually drive with it. Not just, we had these little screens, like, like, like you taking that whole like touch screen out of the car and we had them on our desk so we could play with it on our desk. But that's, you know, that's one thing, right. But actually to it's drive the same, it, yeah. not the same, right. You know, there's so many things we learned. I think uh, we were one of the first people, even, I think even before like iPhones or, or, or any other devices to, to have the, the day and night mode. So like, I think. Uh, at the time, like black interfaces were like, you know, like pretty, you know, pretty like luxurious. And, and so we started with a black, like a very black and dark interface. And the moment we brought it into a car and there were like, and the light was hitting the screen, we're like, oh man, wait, like, I think we need to do a day mode. Like we need to go with a white interface. It was like, but, but we like the black. And so it's like, all right, well then, then, you know, let's have two, like two different interfaces for two different uh, times a day. And I, I can't, I, I can't remember an, an other interfaces having the same at the time, you know? So that's something we learned, uh, quite quickly. We learned like about, you know, just making sure that all important content is like at your field of view, like, you know, learning through like the, some of the human interface folks about like, you know, reach and about like, like, but like physical button size was, was really interesting. Yeah. Lots of learnings in, yeah. in, in those first, in that first year. And I'm sure this has come up. So I love your perspective on it, right? Like the center console is a touchscreen. I think, you know, part of the safety of, of a passenger or driver is being able to just keep your eyes on the road. And, you know, you have hardware knobs that you can feel, you don't have to see, whereas the, the touch interface, what was uh, Tesla's and your perspective when designing that? Oh, <laughs> so I think that this is where, um, I don't think automotive designers have to think so much about this these days, but like in those early days, we, we were talking to a lot of vendors, which were actually concerned about this. 
And so there was like, uh, I can't remember like the names of the companies now, but they were like, you know, putting little bumps on the screen or there was uh, even one where like uh, they would have a touch screen that would kind of could fill with fluid and you could feel little bumps. Like, oh, wow. It could could do that. There was even uh, like, I, I think I saw like a, uh, whether it was at SEMA or whatever, like, you know, the addition of a knob that, that mm-hmm. was embedded right in the middle of the, of the touch, the touch screen. So those are things I do remember of people exploring, right? It was a very explorative time then. And, or even just putting like, you know, a little resting place in between, just like different ways to divide up the screen or the, er- the ergonomics of it too. We also, I think there was a concern about like, like extreme weathers too. Like, mm. so like, so in, in extreme cold, people have like gloves on. And so with the gloves, you can't uh, interact with the touchscreen, right? And I think there was exploration of like, is there like Tesla driving gloves or this or that? And, you know, I don't, I don't remember where all that knitted out, but, you know, I think, you know, I, I think we couldn't find a good solution for a lot of this. And ultimately, I mean, like it's, it's not a good, good reason, but I think ultimately we just kind of, we just went with it you know, like, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we'll have people deal with it. So I'm not going to say that it's like super safe and, and, and mm-hmm. you're going to have exact muscle memory for, you know, some of those button controls, but I mean, so far until we, until someone comes <laughs> up with a better uh, idea, it looks like it may seems right across industry trends. That's what we're going with. Right. 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 They, I mean, I think they, they come I, to stay. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think luckily like our, the, our, the responsiveness of our touchscreens was a lot better than others of its time. Right. The other ones you'd have to like slant, like it's like a push into this, like, like, you know, very soft touchscreen. Right. Like, and so, you know, I think it, it was pretty good for its, for its time and, and still continues to be. Yeah. Yeah. So one, one, another common thing is I, worked for an agency, I think back in 2009, 2010. So right before you joined Tesla, we, Elon or, or and Tesla hired our agency to help think of some of the interactions for the center console and the, the be behind the wheel experience. So I got to work on some of the interaction prototyping for, for the uh, behind the wheel, the steering wheel, the, the odometer speedometer. Oh, so I, I got to, we got to see the interface pretty early on before other people. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> awesome stuff. Yeah. All, all of that stuff was, yeah, I mean, it, it was an exciting time and I think it still continues to be an exciting topic, right? For, yeah. For- yeah. Yeah. We got to meet Franz and that guy is just amazing for for like the one of our people on our team he, he was pretty high up so franz just drew a model s just on paper and you know, he had a piece of paper and he just drew it for him and then just signed it you know it was just a few strokes it was like he was just so you know it was just so clear in his mind and that was a cool thing so tell us a little bit about about lucid and faraday future and some of the learnings as well there in terms of automotive uh, ui interface design hmm. What can I tell you about? I think for Lucid, Lucid was 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 interesting because I I I I heard about them because like there was a group of Tesla engineers that had left to to go start and and at the time it wasn't called Lucid it was called Ativa and and they were they were they were close by and I think you know I had been at Tesla for you know, almost five years now. And, you know, I, I saw some excitement in kind of continuing the automotive journey 
there at Ativa. And, you know, I love the team there. Like uh, they were super collaborative. We got to work like super close to all of the interior, exterior folks. And I, you know, it was nice because it was like, you know, super collaborative. We're all in, in, in one big room together. And, and it was a, you know, a, a small team that kind of effectively put together the, you know, the, I, I don't know if you recall the first a show, show property that that was released i can't remember what year it came out but i think going into it there had been some already like discussion about what the screen architecture looked like and i think i i joined right when they were kind of determining the overall interaction model and so i think there was there's you know and, and when you when you get in like when you when you're when you get in at that stage, that's where all the kind of excitement. I mean, there's definitely a lot of uncertainty because nothing's locked in, right? Like there's almost, I mean, the, the limitations are, are 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 primarily the hardware, but everything else is like total can be like totally exploratory. And I think at that time we were also kind of figuring out the whole look and feel of it, the interaction model, who our vendors were. So so much stuff in flight and so many things that, you know you know, whether it's like, you know, if it's vendors, it's like hard to design stuff when you don't know who your vendors are, like, let's say for navigation or for, you know, whether it's like the CarPlay or Android Auto, or are we doing that? Are we not doing that? Or your, your, your ADAS, you know, your ADAS vendor, like, if you don't know that you can't start designing stuff because you don't know the limitations. And so I think we made like a lot of assumptions and we just tried to push forward to, to kind of, you make, you make guesses to fill those gaps so that you can move forward in design. Um, and yeah, I mean, what we ended up with, you know, and I think all of this was working toward a, and and the the unveiling of the car. I mean, like I think while we were working on the interface, the like the industrial designer, the car designers were you know, frantically kind of iterating, and you could see the different like clay molds of the car kind of, kind of you know evolving and coming together, and it was it was it was super exciting because every week we would see you know a different iteration of the vehicle, and you know when that when the first show car came out really it was like that you know both the interface and that that you know the physical design coming together and you know and and it, it's a beautiful thing yeah yeah speaking of bold i think you know faraday futures whatever race car was was a pretty bold statement and the the, the f ff991 and then you know then, then there's sedan and i ended up i had a small project flying down to faraday future probably Towards the end, like I think in 2000, actually I don't I don't remember the time frame now. Maybe it was like 2018, maybe or 17, down in LA. Hmm. So and not more more on the web side, not not the car interfaces or anything like that. Oh, sorry, it wasn't like you were you were working on the Faraday uh, website. Is that what you're saying? Well, a related website that also featured the Faraday Future cars. Cool. So the La Eco, I don't know if you... Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, yeah we worked on Very, that, very that related. To, yeah, to yeah, we worked on that side and then the La Eco's car, La C and, and all that stuff. So so we worked on that. <laughs> yeah. We got to see, you know, we, we brought some of those cars you know on, on the other side property as well no i remember that time because i think i was at i hadn't gone to faraday yet i was at, at lucid and i remember us pulling up like a big like a flat screen tv over to our kind of desk areas and we're like hey does anyone want to watch the late the Leico car unveiling 
and then you see um yt on stage or yeah yeah. YT? yeah 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 yt yeah yeah there's this like bubbly car that comes out and like 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 that's so interesting you know yeah, that, that, we, we had a lot of fun with that website. So yeah, the car was very, you know, the assets we had to work with, the 3D renderings. And so yeah, the way we designed, you know, the the curves of the menus and stuff kind of match the car's, you know, aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of cool. But yeah, you, you try to bring your creativity, right? Like, like the car has a design language and you're trying to see if you can bring some of that into the web webs. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was cool. So what what uh, you you managed a team of uh, multiple product designers at at Faraday Future as head as head of UI UX. Yeah, so I think Faraday Future was exciting because I you know the the whole time I had heard you know I think even at tes- from Tesla even working through Lucid I I had been hearing about Faraday right and and. And, you know, like, I think the exciting part was they were always producing really slick imagery and marketing material and like the car looks super buttoned up. And, and I think they, it, you know, at the, it seemed like they were ahead of the time. And I think that was an exciting thing. You know, I, I had a good time there. You know, like, I, I think they, they were looking for someone to kind of bring like bring quickly the expertise to kind of get the team kind of working together and collaborating. And you know, I think going in there, you know, that's, you know, I, I think it was super important for me to build relationships and, and then kind of give direction to the interface. And I think, I think there was a lot of, you know, at the, t- when I, when I joined, like, they had started kind of revamping the look and feel, which was actually they had a there was a great a great start on that. And I think the rest was just kind of making it cohesive. Like I, you know, when when I when I got there, there was a bit of you know, you know, different designers kind of doing different things. And I think the important thing was just getting people talking to each other, right? Like this is you know, to talking to each other to understand that hey, you know, here are inconsistencies. Here are, here's ways that this interface could work better with each other. And then I, a lot of it was also just making sure we were working on the right features for MVP, you know, or for for startup production rather, you know. Yeah. And um, and and we made lots of progress. There's so much hard work that that went into it, and you could you could tell, like even after you know eight to ten months of of being there, it's just like now it's like super clean and and it it works nicely together. And we saw that you know, getting built live. And then we saw the, you know, that interface, you know, being put into cars and, and, you know, and the cars would be, you know, they would be doing test drives on it. So that was, uh, that was cool stuff for sure. A couple things, quick questions. One is like, maybe, you know, what, what were some learnings that maybe you got, you learned from Tesla. So you got it right the first, instead of exploring, you know, in Tesla, you got it right at, at Faraday. And then also the second question is, you know, your, your role had changed, right? And you're now like a head of a t- design team. So what, what, what did that look like generally day to day? Well, so let's, let's start with the first one on the, like, what were the, some of the learnings? I think the biggest one was the, you know, that one that I was saying earlier about, about, you know, the, the learning at Tesla, where it's like, you need to drive it in car, right? Yeah. And so, you know, always in the beginning of this process, it's like the cars themselves aren't entirely, well, may, maybe safe or whatever, like, <laughs> or you don't get access to them, 
Let's yeah. put it that way. So, so you, you can't drive around with them. So when, you know, at, at Faraday, as we're kind of developing new car concepts or even kind of working on that FF91, like, you know, I think the first thing we, we, we had to do was just set up a test environment. So we had like this big screen and it's like, it's playing like a, a driving video and, and then you're actually kind of trying to do stuff while you're, you know, you're, 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 you're pretending to drive as you're kind of interacting with it just to see like, is this going to work or is it not going to work? Like the, you know, like you mentioned a bit of it, which is like the feeling for buttons and stuff. And like, are you able to like quickly understand what does what? So let, uh, setting up uh, testing scenarios was, was, was important. I, I think absolutely like with every single feature, whether it went down to like the, like the charging system, how people understand how to charge and set, you know, set, charging timing, you know, like during the day, I mean, sorry, during the night rather to, I don't know, just so many, so many different, different things like logging in and logging out of, of profiles and, and a lot of the, the, you know, autopilot or, you know, ADAS type systems, I think definitely brought a, a lot of knowledge like, like, like that to it. And, you know, I think the, the thing is that like, if you've done a couple of automotive companies, like a lot of it's really similar. You know, I think it's like the, the, the pieces are, are relatively the same. I think it's just like getting them to work with each other and like, what is the unique architecture of the screen, like the screen layout and what is, you know, what is the unique offering that this particular company is trying to push, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like one for, for the audience. I think if there's one main takeaway out of this episode was, is like, you know, whatever you're designing for, like put it in the device. Right. And, and so many, this applies to not just cars, right? Like I feel like new designers, I can always tell when they design on a big monitor and they never put it on the phone. Right. Cause it's, it's like, Oh, I, okay. I can already tell this is going to be too small, the font size and stuff. Cause they, they, you know, they design on a huge Thunderbolt or whatever. And then I, I can kind of pre, in my mind, see that, oh, when, when I load this on the phone, it's going to be small. But to your point, when we, we did a project very similar where it, it wasn't for consumers, it was more for the engineers for self-driving cars. So we built some tooling in car, but we didn't have access to the car while designing and building. So every week it'd be like, okay, let's load it up and see how it works and feels, right? You, you have to, you know, as an agency, you don't, they're not going to give you a, <laughs> a car to play with. They didn't, they only had the one that they're researching and, and constantly iterating on. But, but to your point, yeah, they are like, okay, let's see the latest build. Let's load it up and see if this, you know, makes sense for us. And <laughs> so you have to, you have to put it in its environment and, and test drive it in, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it, I think that absolutely applies to a lot. It's like so many things, like even like, I'd say like, you know, like some of the places I've worked at, like you, you would have actually people like you're, you're creating mobile apps for like as tools for like for people. And, you know, depending on what they're doing, like they might be doing something else, like, you know, moving, moving food around, or they're doing like cleanings or whatever it is, right? Like, like you have to be in their shoes to, to understand, like, you know, or, or maybe they're out in the sun and you're like, I can't, they can't see the, the, the interfaces that you're creating on the phone or, or something, you know, or maybe they have like, you know, gloves on or, or like, it's like, it's like a wet environment or whatever it is. Like, so, so I think it's important to, to, to be cognizant of the, you know, those con- conditions and to, to try it in their context, you know, right. And see how, it, how, how it works. 
to to your point, your your story of the the dark and light mode made me recall uh, a story that one of our designers uh, told me because I had forgotten about it. It had been so long, but we had a client kind of in the, they, they sell to the military and, and this is not like a tablet oh. interface or it's like a interface in inside a device, you know, there's, there's a device mm. and, and we never had access to the device, mind you, but we, we were told the context and what it had to do and the interface. So we designed it. And then I think the, the first iteration, the, the interface was mostly kind of white and clean, right? Clean and white, very white. But I think when somebody saw that, their comment was like, if, if this is out in the field, it'd be like the white thing in the darkness and I'd be shot, <laughs> right? Cause it's oh, like, it's like the one not. white thing. It's uh, like then, the opposite. That's interesting. Right. Right. It's like, <laughs> you, you can't have nope. this, this thing that's like white in, in here. And then also like, you know, they might be wearing to your point, they might be wearing. So we, we had all these constraints. So like the button sizes had to, to be considered as well. So yeah, it's, it's all has to be thought of in context. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. We we got a lot out of this and I think we got a lot of insights and appreciate hearing about your your career and how you, you got to where you were. Do you want to say maybe a few words about where you are now? Because uh, you're not doing car yeah. UI anymore. Yeah, current, currently I'm at Sonder, which is a hospitality company. So as, as a director of uh, product design, you know, I, th- I think so Sonder is you know, like it's like a hotel chain, but it's different. It, we really utilize software as a, as a means for efficiency, right? Like I think, you know, instead of your, you know, regular big box hotel where, where you have like an on-staff person in the lobby and like a on-site cleaning crew, like here, a lot of the stuff is very like self-check-in, like an, like an Airbnb. And, you know, those types of you know, and, and our, like our maintenance or housekeeping are not, you know, staffed exactly on site, but you know, they, they, they service an area. And so with these types of optimizations and through software and, and like, you know, and these tools, we're able to, you know, really have a good cost savings and, and bring those cost savings to the, you know, our, our hotel guests. And so the experience here, like I, I got really excited by this, this concept and, you know, like the, the hotel, the ho- like the hotel slash apartments that, that they offer are, you know, they're you know, really well, well designed and, and decorated. They incorporate like local artists and stuff, but, but I think, you know, that experience along with the kind of digital experience together make for like a, you know, an overall, like overall, like, you know, it stands out uh, amongst the competitors. Um, and, you know, I think I really got excited by this because like I had a previous job, I was working in, in like a, a food, like a food delivery company. And I, I saw a lot of similarities between that and this. And I, I like working on things that are, that I can, that are very tangible and that I can understand. And, and I think the similarities also are in that everything we design is like a, it's a system, right? Like it's, it's a network of many different people and parts like connected through software to be able to work together, like a very operations heavy type industry. Right. and and making those connections and making those efficiencies is is a really exciting uh, job to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's that's actually one of our niches uh, for the I'm the founder of Impeccable, and 
our agency, we, we do specialize in, in B2B SaaS. And a lot of times it's, it's that complexity, operational complexity or multiple types of personas or users, right? Like a, like a Tesla interface, right? It's, it's pretty much the driver and maybe the passenger, right? Like you're designing for, but, but with Sonder, I can imagine you're designing for the, the guest. You might be designing for the homeowner, the hotel owner. You might be designing for the cleaning crew, right? Like there's, there's multiple personas. And, and like you said, there's, there's workflow and there's complex operations that, and that, that weaving that makes designing fun and challenging. Absolutely. So how can someone get in touch with you? I understand you have doing, you used to do ADP mentorship hours. Are you still doing? I, I, I temporarily pause it, but would love to continue. I think if you find me uh, online, you can shoot me. A, if you want to get a hold of me, <laughs> shoot me an email and I'm happy to, happy to schedule some time. Anything so, you want to promote? No, not, not, not at this moment. So. Okay. Except Sonder, right? You <laughs> can go to Sonder. <laughs> yeah. Sonder. Yeah. Sonders are an amazing experience and yeah. Check it out for sure. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Likewise. Thank you for joining us on this episode of What is UX? If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you leave us a review, I'll make sure to shout it out on the show. If you have any questions, send them to questions at whatisux.co and our guest and I will try to answer them on the show. And you can always find us on whatisux.co. See you on the next one.